everybody, this is episode 3 of the Foodology Podcast. We're so happy that you're still listening to us. And today we're going to cover some really interesting topics, such as food and creativity and what to do with leftovers in the kitchen. Are you excited, Hannah? I'm so excited. So why not just get started? (laughs) Let's do it. Logan is mainly talking about this topic and that's largely because he's actually an artist. Um, what? He does film and graphic design and all of those really cool things that I aspire to know something basic about. You're too nice. <laughs> so this is kind of something that he's passionate about and knows a lot about, more than I do. Um, most of my creativity is in the writing world and not in the music world a little bit, and not really anywhere else. So when it comes to visual art, Logan is the professional in this relationship. So with that in mind, let's foray into the creative world. Logan really hates when I use the word foray. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure it's make a foray, not just foray. It's foray. Foray is like... I'm pretty sure you make a foray. No, foray is like... Is it both a noun and a verb? Yes. Foraying is a verb. Look it up. Foraying? To foray (laughs) is a verb. It's a verb. I'm serious. I believe you. Look it up. You you are the artist with who's, words thank you i was You're gonna welcome. say who's the word connoisseur in this relationship it's Me. you all right <laughs> moving on uh, to creativity and food and leftovers and leftovers which are a form of creativity with food which is why we're talking about them today actually all of life is creative what do you think about that do you think all of life is creative i'd like to believe that's true i think it's really hard for me to see doing laundry as super creative or mopping the floors as super creative hmm. as other than just like really tedious tasks I hate doing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I could see how other ways of living, like uh, when people talk about their jobs and they say that like every job is creative or you can use creative in every job. I believe that. Yeah. You can be creative in your marketing job. You can be creative in your engineering job. You can be creative in your car repair job. Um, there's ways to use creativity in all of those things, but it's hard for me to see creativity outside of vocation hmm. or outside of like art. So just like walking around the house doing chores, paying bills. Those things don't seem creative to me. I wonder what the base definition of being creative is. I mean, if it just is to create, maybe to build something. Okay, the definition of creative is relating to or involving the imagination or original ideas, especially in the production of an artistic work. Interesting. Oh, here's more. The definition of creative for English language learners. Having or showing an ability to make new things or think of new ideas. Using the ability to make or think of new things. Involving the process by which new ideas, stories, etc. are created. Interesting. I think, I don't know if it's necessarily just new things. I think it, that new can just be new to you, though. Can be creative. Like, you can sure. build something it that depends. somebody else has built and it can still be creative. It if depends it's new to you. on, well... 
I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I agree with that. I think it depends on your definition of new. So we're talking about leftovers this week, right? Yeah. What makes leftovers creative is that you're taking something that already exists in one form and maybe some other things in your fridge that exist in other forms. And you're saying, how can I make something new out of what I've been given? Something that's not written down for me or handed to me is obvious. How can I... So, like, resourcefulness is a great example of creativity because Mm -hmm. you're taking what you have to deal with and you're making something new out of it. So, like, there's this show right now on television where these chefs have to go into people's apartments and look in their fridge and find uh, things that, like, are just in the fridge. And they have to make something, but people like to watch that because, like, it requires creativity, you know? Have you seen this show? No. Oh, okay. But I've heard of it. Oh, okay. But that's like the premise. Have you seen it? No, I haven't heard of it either. Oh, okay. I've heard of it. That's it just surprised me that you were watching a cooking show. <laughs> but it turns out you weren't watching a cooking show. <laughs> so. <laughs> I like to read about food, not watch food. Yeah. Um, I watched a tutorial on Skillshare.com. Great site, by the way. Shout out to Skillshare. Um, about knife skills. And we how to properly hold a knife. We support us. We'll be our sponsor. Give them a shout out on Twitter when we share this episode. <laughs> um, I learned how to properly hold a knife from a chef in a test kitchen for a uh, company that like sends out recipes. I forget what it's called. Interesting. You don't uh, say. I do say. <laughs> Anyways, I learned I'd been holding a knife wrong. And try the new way, so much easier and faster. Kind of hard to describe, but <laughs> works pretty well. Demonstrations aren't really helpful on podcasts. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'll uh, share the Skillshare class there with you this go. episode. That's a great idea. Put it in the show notes. Ah, uh, show notes. We don't really do those. No, we don't. We should. We could, though. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and want us to put more things in the show notes, let us know. You can tweet at us. Or email at us. Or email at us. But that's a lot of work. Most people would just tweet. True. Anyways, uh, back to creativity. I think I think for me, a lot of times, if I'm making something, I view it as creative. And it's not even necessarily if it's something new. Like, I feel like I'm being creative following a recipe. I don't know. Maybe I just have a super broad definition of what's being creative. Well, even if you're following a recipe, you're still making it yourself. Yeah, but if it, if it's like the second or third time I've made it, it's not like new to me, but I still would view that as being creative. Hmm. I think yeah. I view making anything I kind as of creative. Ag- yeah, I kind of agree. I don't know. Yeah. I get like I agree with what you're saying. I guess I would still argue that that's making something new. But if you're making something that you've made before, you're still taking fruits and vegetables and grain or whatever you're making and turning it into a meal, even if you've done that meal before. Yeah. So you're still making something new out of those things in your hands. Yeah. Even if it's not new to your brain. Transforming something. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So food... Whatever you're doing with it is inherently creative. If you're transforming any raw ingredient into a cooked dish, it's inherently creative. 
And so in that respect, I like to think of food as an art. And something that I've read about art from multiple people is that a lot of times art involves a lot of failing. And I like to take that same idea or approach with food. Like if I fail at a recipe, like the other day I made these horrible banana pancakes. But hey, they now, weren't horrible, horrible they exaggeration. Were, they were pretty bad. But now I know better. And yeah, I don't know. It's just part of the art of cooking and creating food. And so I think that's something that's really important to me and helps cooking and being in the kitchen to be enjoyable for me. Which is interesting because in general, I wouldn't consider you someone that's super comfortable with failure. Yeah. <laughs> but in the kitchen, you're like so much more relaxed and comfortable with failure than I am. Mm, yeah. I don't realize how much of a perfectionist I am until I'm in the kitchen and I'm really, really stressed that something's not going to turn out perfectly. And that makes it kind of ruins all the fun. Yeah, I think for me, I try not to feel that pressure as much. Like as long as it's edible, I don't really care. Like if it's not yeah. perfect. I but mean, that's I, I would like it to be perfect, but, but ultimately, if I can that's eat what it, makes you the better cook. I guess so. I'm yeah. more willing to experiment maybe. Yeah. Failing slash experimenting can those lines are easily blended together. It kind of goes back to last week when, when I referred to your eating as like low stakes. Your cooking is also low stakes too. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. So I was when I, when we were picking the topic for this episode, um, we both did some research, and I found uh, this restaurant with this chef who um, makes all these really interesting food like artwork and there's like it's like a food museum like art museum it's really interesting and in an interview he said um what's the use of picasso just to look at it to get excited about it but you could also use it to make a fire sounds crazy right well in cooking it's the same thing you could say that cooking could be a creative experience to the maximum level or it could just simply be to feed yourself And I think that quote is really great because it sort of parallels these two approaches to cooking that most people have. This cooking to just feed yourself, get what you need into your body, be done with it as quickly as possible, or making it a creative experience to the maximum level. Hmm. It's interesting. I think something else that is similar between other art forms and cooking is... Like take painting, for example, there's definitely a technique and proper tools and proper methods to use those tools and things. And so I think sometimes when I explain how I cook, it can come off as pretty like free and doesn't really matter how I do anything. But also, like I want to be clear, I really value like the technique. Like I was doing research on this topic as well and reading what chefs were saying about creativity and things and feeling a little like unworthy to be talking about cooking because there's Mm -hmm. so much I don't know and so like who am I to be like oh it doesn't matter if it's not perfect you can make it however because I want to respect like the techniques and the art form that these like masters of cooking have done and not being being like oh finger painting and a Picasso are the same thing you know me scrambling some eggs and some chef at a big restaurant is like the same thing so I think 
something that I want to learn more about in cooking is proper techniques and how to make like more complex foods. Um, and I think once you know those techniques, you can break them like any other art form. Once you know the rules, you can break them. Right. And I think I like to also break them along the way. Well, I think what makes your voice unique and this podcast unique, even though neither of us are food experts, which we've been saying, I think every episode now, is that we're ordinary. Like, I think there are chefs who yeah. do, there are chefs who do podcasts and do videos and give tutorials and share techniques. And there's a place and value for that. But I also think this what this podcast is for is the ordinary person trying to figure out how to make food livable. Yeah. And so it's not for people who want to make a career out of cooking. It's not for people who want to spend three hours every single day cooking food because not everyone wants to do that. I don't want to do that. It's for the ordinary person who wants to enjoy food while also being able to have kids or study for their tests or go to work. And yeah. also be able to enjoy what they eat. Yeah. But I think something else about food, given how often we eat it and have to make meals, like if you really want to get better at cooking, there is literally so much opportunity to do that. Like literally three times a day you can practice cooking if you want to. And so I think, like, yeah, c- cooking is, uh, at least for me, I try to make it low stakes and eating is low stakes. But if you want to get better at cooking, like anybody can, literally anybody can learn more about cooking. And even though there might be like a right and wrong way to have technique, you also just learn from experience in the kitchen. Yeah. Just having more opportunities to get in the kitchen and mess around, like that almost always produces a more confident version of yourself cooking. Yeah. And, I mean, you can make new techniques or find different ways to do things. There's not, like, only one way to cut up a zucchini. Mm-hmm. There's multiple ways to cut up a zucchini. Uh, this was another really interesting quote that I found, and I think it kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier about is anything really new, anything that you cook really new. Um, I had a professor. This is before I, I read the quote. But I had a professor a writing professor because I was a writing major in college. What? Um, I graduated. Oh, nice. Congrats. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Um, And he used to say all the time that there are no new stories under the sun. Um, So, which is, I think, also a Bible verse in Ecclesiastes. Um, Nothing is new under the sun. Yeah. So basically his idea was there's only like seven stories and we're always telling some variation on those seven stories. And I don't know if I agree that there's only seven stories, but I do agree with the fact that humans aren't capable of making something out of nothing. We're not capable of thinking of something that's never been thought of before. We're just capable of tying to making connections and thoughts that already exist. Mm. So we're capable of making something new out of a combination of things that already exist. So with that in mind, there's this quote that says, creativity in the kitchen is like creativity anywhere else. You build off of the techniques of the geniuses who came before you. Neither, well, neither of us, this is actually, I think, what I wrote. Neither of us invented chopping or baking, but that doesn't mean we don't get to do them. So then the quote says, keep coming up with things that somebody else will take further. Um, And I think the premise behind that is, is that, Sure, you didn't invent 
the chopping technique that you're using to cut your carrots and you, you're not like sauteing a combination of like you're not sauteing for the very first time ever but also like you get to build off of the people who came before you and that's the whole point you're not supposed to have to make it all up yourself food and cooking are are always communal which we're going to get to in another episode but the way that the creativity aspect is communal is that you build off of the people who come before you so no no chef is going to say I patented the chop so now you can't use it like that's not the point the point is for everyone to be able to, to benefit from one person who invented something new yeah so we're always taking further what somebody else invented before us it's true. It's a lot like a lot of a lot of other art forms. Yeah. Like painting or sculpture. Exactly. So let's talk about leftovers, because. Do you have another thought before we move? I on? do actually. Okay, go ahead. I have a few tips for being creative in the kitchen. Ooh. That I want to share with our audience. I actually got these off a website, so they're not original. Um, make friends. Don't say that. <laughs> with individual flavors. I thought that was a pretty good one. What does that mean? So like. Find flavors that you really like and then find different things to put them in. So you have your like go to faves? Yeah. Like So what's oh, a go- I really like cumin. So what's a go to is that is cumin your go to fave? Actually probably salt's my go to one. <laughs> but that doesn't really count. That's true. You add salt to everything. I like cumin and curry a lot. I like curry a lot and got really overzealous with it one time and added a bunch of it to the fried rice I was eating and forgot that curry's also spicy. Oh yeah, curry's spicy. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, this is really spicy. Wow. Yeah. But also delicious. So I wasn't that mad about it. Nice. Proud of you. Thanks. Um, I also read somewhere a chef gave a bunch of tech of tips on like things new cooks don't do well or like easy mm-hmm. mistakes that new ki- cooks make. And one of them that kind of stuck with me was over seasoning things. Like you really only need like three or four spices in a food because otherwise it just gets too complex. I thought that was interesting. So make friends with with individual flavors and combine them in small families. Uh, Tip number two, cook with kids. They don't have preconceived ideas. Mm. And then also cook with friends. They might have different ideas. So for those of us that are really control freaks in the kitchen, um, cooking with kids might cause more anxiety because they make so many messes. That's true. What would you say to that? Then cook with friends. and tr- <laughs> Just don't cook with kids at all. I was hoping you were going to say <laughs> that it's okay to make a mess. Oh, yeah. It's okay to make a because mess. Because failure is part of learning to cook well, like you just said. That's true. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> it's uh, okay. Yeah, but also cook with friends. Friends also make messes sometimes. But you know what? If you're a control freak... <laughs> Your friends are actually children. <laughs> Plot twist. Whoa. No, I don't know. Okay, tip three. Um, give yourself a challenge. That's especially easy when you're cooking for yourself. Because then you don't have to try to impress other people. Um, and then if it's not edible, you can always cook up some ramen. <laughs> Buy some backup ramen to just keep in your cabinet for unless, a major screw-up. Unless the ramen is you being experimental then uh have some peanut butter and jelly uh what would you say for people that have really juvenile tastes for those of us who love peanut butter and jelly and macaroni and cheese 
And so are secretly like 10 years old at heart with our food tastes. I mean, I think... How do we grow up? How do we mature? I wonder if maybe... Is there such a thing as juvenile food? Is that even a thing? It's like Because I kind of don't think it is. Yeah? I mean, sure, kids eat a lot of peanut butter and jelly. But does that, does that make it a, does that make me a childish kid? food? I don't think so. We have foods that we culturally associate with being a kid. But that's just people, cultural. Or with people who... Well, all food is cultural. Think yeah, okay, about it. Right. Everything we eat is based on culture. I would just say branch out. Try new things. Like, if you're having peanut butter and jelly for lunch every day, maybe try a deli sandwich for Whoa. once. I know. <laughs> really branching out. Maybe throw some pickles on that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Ew. Or, yeah. Pickles on know. peanut butter and jelly? I don't know. I don't eat peanut butter and jelly. I eat salads. Oh, you're so healthy. Yeah. And s- <laughs> I was making fun of you, <laughs> but it just didn't come out right. I'm going to be real. I, I like eating healthy because I like that it makes me feel better and my stomach doesn't feel as gross. I don't have any weird poops. But uh, I don't like salads. I, in fact, I kind of loathe salads unless they're really delicious. If they have like really good dressing on them or you have like really great fruit, like for example, the strawberry poppy seed salad at Panera. I too love. sweet. Yeah, Logan has it's no too sweet, sweet teeth. The uh, Thai chicken salad right, at Panera, sh- though. Is... I have a point. Um, unless it's, like, a really good salad, um, I just generally really don't like salad. And I don't appreciate that the health community feels the need to make every health food be on a salad. There are other healthy foods. I do not have to eat salad at every meal. Do not kill my soul. i tell you what, Hannah. Why don't you be creative in the kitchen and find something, some other base to put food on? Besides salad. You can be a trendsetter. I'm just having... That requires creativity. What? (laughs) Which I'm bad at in the kitchen. For being a generally really creative person, I'm terribly uncreative in the kitchen. It takes practice. Last tip is to find a favorite recipe that you really like and cook it multiple times until you perfect it. Just get really good at some recipes, and then you'll feel like a master chef at whatever your thing is. Like blueberry crisp is Hannah's. That's my thing. She does that really well. Actually, there's a couple of things I do in particular that I do a lot. She makes a supposedly pretty good chocolate peanut butter shake. I don't like it because I don't like peanut butter. Oh, it's fantastic. But it is self-proclaimed amazing. I can also put that recipe in the show notes. Ooh, we could start putting recipes in the show notes. That's a great idea. This is a really simple smoothie. My trick is I don't use ice, and I just freeze a banana, which helps make it so much thicker and smoother instead of being like having a lot of ice chunks in it, which I just don't really like. Plus, then once the ice thaws, you end up with a recipe of a smoothie that's a little more watery than I like it. So what I do, because we're dairy-free right now, is um, a whole banana sliced and frozen, put into the blender with a spoonful of cocoa powder, a spoonful of honey, and a, and a big spoonful of peanut butter. And then I pour some coconut milk until it like covers the top of the mix. And then I blend it until completely smooth. And it's the best thing I've ever tasted. It's my go-to dessert whenever I'm craving ice cream and I'm trying not to eat it. I eat the smoothie instead. It's the best thing ever. Highly recommend. 
That sounds pretty great for you peanut butter lovers out there. Yes, I am a diehard peanut butter lover, and I know everyone is not. But, however, this is also the kind of thing that's super easy to substitute almond butter or cashew butter if you're not a peanut butter eater. Or I'm Nutella. pretty sure Nutella wouldn't work quite the same way, but I'm pretty sure if you substituted another nut butter, it would be very similar. The key is you have to use a frozen banana. You have to. And I always try and freeze it for at least a couple of hours. If not, I like to slice it up and put it in the freezer overnight if I want to eat the smoothie when I come back from the gym in the morning. So then I can just pop it right in out of the freezer and blend it up. See, I'm not really much of a banana fan either. Yeah, because they're too sweet for you. Yeah. I mean, I sometimes put bananas in my smoothies, but really only for the thickening. Yeah. But. Whereas I love banana, and I'm happy to have things that taste like banana, which is why we have really different tastes when it comes to banana pancakes. I want them to taste like banana, and you it's don't. true. Yeah, differences. I like banana pancakes, minus the banana. I wonder if you used another substitute. Speaking of creativity, what if you used another substitute instead of banana to make them thicker? See, I've been trying to think what I would use. You I, could I don't make know. like sweet potato pancakes. Mm, I mean, I guess you could. You make sweet potato muffins. Yeah. I would probably prefer more like pumpkin pancakes you over could make, sweet potato. You pancakes. could do pumpkin pancakes. Yeah. You could do avocado pancakes, which would be more like savory than sweet. I think. What does savory even mean? Savory is like anything that's. Not sweet and not salty. Yeah, anything that you'd add salt or pepper to instead of like sugar or cinnamon, mm. I think of as savory. So herbal. Usually. What? Oh, yeah. You mean the, the toppings are usually. So I don't herbal. usually add like sugar to something that has thyme in it. Right. So, for example, pizza is savory, even though it's not like salty. Yeah. Because it's not sweet. Whereas, like, cupcakes are always sweet unless they're, like, if they're made with, like, sugar or fruit or something. But muffins aren't necessarily always sweet. Muffins are usually sweet. They usually are. Even if you're doing, like, zucchini muffins, they're usually sweet. But they don't have to be. But you could, if you were to do, like, quiches, quiches are savory. Mm. Is that the thing with the egg? Yeah. Okay. They're, like, little egg cups, but they're baked. And then you can put, like, pepper and tomato in them and stuff. Nice. Yeah. So quiches are savory. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that hot tip. You're welcome. So moving on to leftovers. Yeah, I was about to do the transition to leftovers. How do we be? How can we be more creative about leftovers? So, backstory for me: I grew up in a house where my mom made a ton of food the night before, so that we could just. And, and put it in a bunch of separate containers so we could just take out a container, pop the lid off, put it in the microwave, heat it up, and eat it exactly as she prepared it the night before. The night before being, like, for dinner. Yeah. Not, like, after dinner. She no. makes another meal. No, but she, right. w- she always makes, like, food for eight at dinner and has right. a ton of leftovers so that we can just, like, live off the leftovers for the rest of the, our meals until she cooks again. And your family doesn't do that. So do you want to talk a little bit about your family's approach to leftovers? Because I found it when I first came to your house and your parents made food for me. I was fascinated by the way you guys do leftovers. Sure thing, Hannah. I'd love to talk about it. So usually at my house, we also cook extra food at each meal for leftovers. We don't usually separate it into meal size containers. It's usually in like container of potatoes, container of vegetables or whatever we made 
That's another thing at your house before you continue. Your mom usually does multiple dishes. My mom usually only does two dishes at the most. That's true. Whereas your mom will do a full, like, three courses. We'll do, like, a meat and a vegetable. And a starch. And a salad. Or a salad, yeah. And a starch. And then, yeah. Whereas my mom usually just does a meat and a vegetable. Your meals usually have two parts. Mine usually have, like, three or four. Yeah. So that was a little weird for me, I guess, coming here. Mm -hmm. Anyways. um, And then... So that food goes in the fridge, and then the next day, sometimes we'll just take it out and warm it up and eat it, like, the night before. Um, But then other times, say she made, like, a beef casserole, which she makes pretty often, she almost always turns that beef casserole into soup. So she'll add, like, some milk or some water, toss the beef casserole in the pan, stir it up, warm it up and then we have soup for lunch the next day i never ever thought i liked soup for the longest time until i went to your house because i really liked the way your mom always did leftover soup interesting it was really good but before then i I didn't usually like soup i didn't like chili i didn't like anything like that the only thing i liked was beef stew so i was Mm. like maybe i just don't like soup but i do like soup i just don't like the soup that I was normally eating. Growing up, almost probably like 80% of our leftovers turned into soup. And then sometimes those leftover soups would have other things added to them for like a third day soup. Hmm. So a lot of times, like 70% of the soups I had growing up couldn't really be replicated because they were just things in the fridge that were thrown together. So that's been interesting. There we go. Creativity in the kitchen. Perfect example. Soup is actually really easy to be creative. Because you can throw all kinds of things into a soup. It's true. Different vegetable mixes, different kinds of meat. You can, like, and you mix all of them, and they're all very, like, meat is meat in soup. It doesn't matter what kind of meat it is. You could put chicken and lamb and beef into the same soup, and it'd be okay. Yeah. I think for me, I take somewhat the same approach to leftovers, except I either put multiple different things onto a salad. So Mm -hmm. I use a green space. Or I'll take multiple things. Or I'll take multiple things and stir fry them, and maybe add Mm -hmm. some eggs. So usually my version of the soup is a stir fry or a salad. Yeah. So I'm not. You do fried rice. Crazy about soups. Right. If we have rice, I'll Mm -hmm. refry some rice and then throw some stuff in it. It's like the leftovers that Logan makes are sometimes like even better than the original meal. (laughs) My gosh! Stop. (laughs) You're too much. Logan's the best cook. Everyone, you should all eat food from him sometime thanks for the shout out hannah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's how we did leftovers um when you were cooking leftovers (laughs) what oh my gosh (laughs) we should get married (laughs) anyways (laughs) uh when you're cooking leftovers make sure they're not too old because uh food poisoning it's not fun (laughs) Wow, what a uh, great tip. Thank you so much. Just a little health shout out there. Don't want any of you getting sick. smell everything before you put it on the stove. Make sure it smells normal. Yeah. If you uh, leave things in the fridge for like a week, probably should throw it out. Probably. Yeah. If it has mold on it, probably probably throw throw it out. out. (laughs) Unless it's cheese, then you can just scrape the mold off and eat it. Ew. (laughs) Hey. Actually, there's some forms of cheese that are made with mold. Blue cheese. Yeah. It's made with mold. That's blue spelled B-L-E-U. Oh my gosh, knock it off. <laughs> In case you didn't know. No one wants Grammar Nazi Logan on this <laughs> podcast. 
So, yeah, just a little uh, U.S. Health Department tip there. Can't take him anywhere. <laughs> Not even on this podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, be creative with your leftovers. You don't have to eat the same thing multiple days in a row. You can make new things. But if you really liked what you had for dinner, you can have it again. That is your prerogative. Nice. So that was uh, food and creativity and leftovers. Do you have anything to add, Hannah? I'm going to add something that you wrote on here that you never said. Like anything, mastery of an art requires practice. You can be creative in the kitchen with any skill level, but the more you know how to do, the broader the possibilities of your creativeness. Hot tip from Foodology Podcast right there. As always, if you have other suggestions or contributions to our episodes, um, and you'd like to send something in as a suggestion, we're happy to mention it in a following episode. You can email us at foodologypodcast.outlook.com or you can tweet or Instagram us at hashtag foodologypodcast. Um, my username on Instagram and Twitter is Hannah Schaaf. And my handle is Logan J. Evans. If you've listened through all of these episodes and managed to get to the end of this one, congratulations. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. So please rate us on, on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, leave us a review with any further comments you have for us. Reviews we, and ratings We definitely awesome. read your reviews and ratings. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more people will find us on iTunes and the more people who will get to hear our beautiful voices talk about things that sometimes we know a lot about and sometimes we don't. <laughs> We're on iTunes. Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podomatic, most other podcast sites. Also, I will be uploading the audio from each episode to YouTube. For all of you who struggle with technology. So, lots of options there. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for next week when we talk about... Community and grilling. Food and community. It's going to be fun. Peace out, y'all. The Foodology Podcast theme music is by Jazar. Check him out on freemusicarchive.com.